So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, uh, turn to John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on uh, the screens behind me. And I want to see a show of hands this evening. I want to know how many of you as children were afraid of the dark? Raise your hand. All right. Yeah, that's a lot of us. How many of you, you can put them down. How many of you as adults say, I'm an adult and I'm still afraid of the dark? Can I see a show of hands? Absolutely. Especially in 2020, um, definitely afraid of the dark in 2020, probably afraid of the day in 2020. Um, but that's just kind of like when I was when I was growing up as a kid, you know, a, a nightlight would make all the difference in the world. Um, I had this closet in my in my room and it had it was kind of a bigger closet, had bigger doors on there. And I'm not I can't prove it to you, but I'm 99 percent sure. There was a monster in my closet, and I'm, I'm not kidding. And so whenever the door was cracked, uh, I knew that if I fell asleep, that monster would come and eat me. But if the door was shut completely, then I'm safe because there was a, a magic force field around that door, and it sealed that monster in. That's at least how I framed it uh, many, many years ago, and I was completely safe. But the point of it is this, that a nightlight made all the difference in the world because I could see whether the door was closed or, or, uh, or just slightly cracked. And so what light does is it orients us to reality, doesn't it? You know, kind of think about what light does the impact that it has on us. It helps us to come into contact with reality. It really sets us free in a sense. It puts us at rest. Now, one of the things that you may, you may know about scripture, or you, you may not, uh, but one of the major themes throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation is this whole theme of light versus darkness. So if you were to read Genesis from Revelation, which you really should do, and you should start January 1 and make it your goal. You're going to read all the way through the Bible in one year. One of the things that you could do is get a notebook and a pen, and as you're reading those, those little chunks of Scripture throughout each day of the year, you could just make a note of how many times light or darkness is referenced in scripture. It's amazing to do it. And uh, so obviously God is associated with light and then Satan is associated as uh, darkness or the, the prince of this world, the prince of darkness. And you see this now. Uh, so there's this great war, this great conflict going on between light and darkness. Now it's not much of a war because God is so amazing. He's so powerful that uh, it's not even a fair fight for Satan, but Satan's still working in some ways until uh, the consummation of all things. But, but light's a big part of the story of scripture. And obviously light is a big part of Christmas. I mean, you think about your neighborhood right now, I'm sure it's covered, most of the houses in your neighborhood are covered with Christmas lights. Can I get an amen to that? You've probably been to Newfields uh, on the north side of Indianapolis at Indianapolis Museum of Art. You've seen the light display there. It's beautiful. Or the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or a dozen other places. Light is a big part of the Christmas season. And you see it even in the Gospels, in the story of Jesus' birth. You see uh, the angels appearing to the shepherds out in the middle of these fields. And I mean, they, boom, they just light the place up because angels are just bright. You know what I'm saying? And so not only that, but then the wise men come from the east. They're looking for the Savior. They're looking for Jesus. And, and a bright star in the sky literally guides them to the place where Jesus was. So God reveals his son to us, uh, his, the birth of his son using light, 
It's a pretty amazing thing. Now, in the Gospel of John, there are a number of statements that Jesus makes about himself, about who he is and what he came to do that are so significant. And they're called the I am statements. And so there are a number of them. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I am the vine. Um, I'm the bread. I'm the door. Uh, He makes a number of these statements. And one of the statements that he makes, interestingly enough, he says, I am the light of the world. Now he doesn't say I am a light in the world. He says, I am the light in the world, like the light of all lights. I am the light. And it's an interesting claim. It's an astounding claim is really what it is. And I want us to kind of look at it in detail this evening because I I think it can give us some insight as we get ready to celebrate uh, Christmas. So what I want to do is I want to read a a small passage of scripture to you from John's gospel, chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. And I'm going to invite you, if you're willing and able, would you please stand as we read the word of God for Christmas Eve. So John records, beginning at verse 12 of chapter 8. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going but you don't know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. And I'm the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And they said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not come. This is God's holy word for his people. You may be seated. Now in this small sentence, this I am statement that he makes. I am the light of the world and he who walks in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I think there's, there are three parts of that that I just want to show you tonight that I think will give us great perspective on Christmas. The first one is this, you're going to notice Jesus is using a metaphor. Okay. He, he's, he's talking about a metaphor and he's talking about light as that metaphor. Secondly, he's going to make a claim. He makes a claim and he says, I am the light. And then he's going to, he's going to issue a call. He's going to say, follow me. All right. So let's look at these three. Let's look at the metaphor, this light of the world metaphor. Now, what is interesting about light is the fact that it is both wonderful and dangerous at the same time. Have you ever considered just the wonder of light and how dangerous light can be. Let me, let me just kind of unpack a little bit of the, just the beauty, the wonder of what really what light does for us. First and foremost, light is the source of life. Light is the source of life. 
So when you think about the light that we get from the sun, that energy from the sun is the energy that we live off of. So if we don't have the light of the sun, animals and plants and human beings can't survive. We would freeze, we would die. And so light is the source of life. But it's not just the source of life. It is, it is also the source of truth. Light is the source of truth. Now, if I, um, you know, wanted to study a California redwood tree, I need light to be able to do that. If I'm going to learn truth about a California redwood tree, I need to be able to see it. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? Like I need to be able to see its size, its enormous size, its shape. I need to know you know, it's composition. I need to be able to see to the nth, to the smallest degree. And so light helps me to do that. Light bounces off that tree into my eyes and I'm able to perceive reality. I'm able to dial into the truth of that tree. It's kind of the same way when you get up in the middle of the night, you have to go to the bathroom. Uh, Lord help you if you don't have a light on doing that. Uh, because you could run into a wall, you could run into a chair, you could step on something and stumble. It could be dangerous because you can't see reality around you when you go to the bathroom in the dark, right? So, so what you need is you need a light source. And what light does is it illumines reality for us so that we don't have to learn the hard way. Light reveals truth. But there's a third thing that light, do, that light does for us. And it's very simple. It just brings joy. It brings joy. Now I have friends that have lived in Alaska in previous years and man, it gets cold in Alaska. Uh, it gets, and it gets dark in Alaska. There's a season of the year. They don't even see the sun. And what they say is you have to really fight being depressed in Alaska in this season because you're just so missing the sun. It could lead you to complete despair. So you see how powerful light really is. I mean, not only does it, it reveal to us truth and, and, and it brings to us life, but it also brings to us joy. It just does something to our mood. We are made to have light and that's what makes, that's what makes light so wonderful. But there's a paradox to light. And I don't know if you've considered this. And the paradox of this metaphor is the fact that if you get too much light, you're gonna die. Like we have this thing in the atmosphere called the ozone layer. And that ozone layer, if you will, acts as a mediator for us. It protects us from the power and the enormity of the radiation from the sun. If we didn't have the ozone layer, the entire earth would be a desert. There would be no rainforest, there would be no oceans, uh, and we would, we would die. We, we would, could not inhabit the earth. It's kind of like if you looked at a welder's torch and you didn't have one of those thick masks on, it would blind you, it would damage your eyes permanently because too much light could kill you. And so Jesus is making this, you know, he's making this I am statement and he's using this metaphor of light because he's trying to communicate something about himself to us. He's trying to help us understand who he is and what he came to do. And that's where we move into the second part of this I am statement where he says, I am the light of the world. This is the claim that he makes. I am the light of the world. Now, you have to know a little bit of the context to understand why this is so astounding to his audience uh, and even to 
uh, John as he's writing this, this claim that he is the light of the world. There is a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, and it's later repeated in Revelation, that at the end of time, there will be no more sun. We will not need the light of the sun because the light of the glory of God will be our source of light. And that's a prophecy in Isaiah. And basically what Jesus is saying here is this, the promise of of light that God has made is fulfilled in your very presence right now. That's what he's saying to the crowd. I am the fulfillment of that prophecy. Now the sun was still there, obviously, but he is saying, I am that light that's going to shine for all of eternity. And it's absolutely mind-boggling. Now, the reason why this is so astounding, let me, let me dig down on this just a little bit, is, is, is because of the, of the heart of the claim that he's making. Let me show you what I mean. Look at verse 20. And this is one of those things where if you're reading scripture too fast, you just kind of miss the significance of this. But the, you know, the writers of scripture don't just give details just to bore us. There's a point to it. Notice verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his time had not come. Now follow me on this. Jesus is speaking in, a, in the temple compound. It's called the treasury and it's where the worshipers would come. And if they had an extra coin, if they had an offering, a financial offering, they would give it in the temple treasury to support uh, the, you know, the expenses of, of worship at the temple. And what we know from John chapter seven is Jesus is in Jerusalem at the feast of the tabernacles. And this was a week long celebration. It was a week long feast where the people of God, where the people of Israel celebrated God's light to the people of Israel as they wandered in the darkness of the wilderness, you know, back in Exodus. And there's this whole thing where, and it's described in Exodus, you can read it there, where as the people were moving through the wilderness, there was a cloud over them and the cloud protected them from the sun. And the cloud was a visual representation of God's presence, of God's protection, and of of God's provision for them as they moved through the wilderness. And then at night, this cloud would turn into a pillar of fire and it would light up the entire darkness for them. And again, it was a symbol of God's presence, provision, and protection for them. And so, and so during the Feast of Booths, they would take this huge candelabra, this thing is massive, and put it right in that area of the temple treasury during this week long of, of worship and you know, festival. And they would light this thing and it was bright. And there's a crowd around because there's always a crowd following Jesus. The religious leaders are there And Jesus is there and he sees this candelabra, basically. It's the feast of the tabernacles commemorating the light of God's presence. And he looks at the crowd and he looks at the candelabra and he says, I am the light of the world in your presence. And that's why John makes note that they didn't arrest him. And it's like he's saying they probably would have if they could have. 
Because at that point, he's claiming to be God in the flesh. He is claiming, I am the light of God's provision, protection, and light and uh, presence. Now, let's just apply it, okay? When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what is he saying? I think he's saying three things. First and foremost, he's saying, I am ultimate life. John 17, three says it like this. This is eternal life that we may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Eternal life, we think is living forever. And that's a part of it, but it's not limited to that. Eternal life is knowing God. Eternal life is walking with God. You and I were created, you and I were born, you and I live. Our purpose for breathing in life is not to make money, not to be famous, not to work 50 hours a week or whatever it is, not to watch TV. That's not our purpose in life. Our purpose in life is to know God and to walk with God. And we choose darkness when we look for satisfaction in things of the world that promise it, but never deliver. So we look for having more stuff or more money or more approval or acclaim. We, we, look, we look for it in pleasures of different kinds that we kind of use to escape. And, and so we, we live in darkness because we believe a lie that says we can have life apart from God that we can have life outside of him. I don't need you, God. I can figure this out on my own. It's a lie and it's darkness. And what Jesus came to say is this, I am the water of life and who drinks of me will never thirst again. I'm the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will never hunger again. Why? Because knowing and walking with God, having the very presence of God is life, satisfaction and fulfillment, what we've all been looking for. And so that's part of what he's saying. But I think when he says, I'm the light of the world, he also means a second part, and that is this, that I am ultimate truth. I am ultimate reality. And the reality is this, that you and I are sinners. That we have missed the mark. The Bible says it like this, all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done it. I'm first in line. We've missed it. We need a savior. That's reality. That's the truth. And so, and so God, through Jesus, reveals the truth to us. It's not good news. It's bad news that we've sinned and we've fallen short and we're separated from God. That's what sin does is it separates us from God. Because God is holy and we're not so much. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I am ultimate truth. And the truth is we're lost and we need to be rescued. We need a savior because we can't do it ourselves. As smart as we are and, you know, as, 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 as good as we think we are, we just can't do it in our, in our own strength and in our own power. The truth is we need someone out outside of us to save us. 
years ago when I was in high school, I was a lifeguard and, and uh, you know, I would work at the local YMCA and I would work by the pool. And so they trained us as lifeguards that you had to be really careful if you were diving into the water to save someone who was drowning because they, sometimes the drowning person would panic so much, they will drown you as you're trying to save them. So you have to be really careful as you approach them and you've got to approach them a certain way. And it's almost like you have to, you've got to come up to them and they have to quit trying to save themselves before you can save them. Because if they don't quit, you're both going down. And I think it's a gospel parallel because I think a lot of us that, you know, we've lived in Indiana all our lives. We, you know, we work hard. We, we try to do what's right. We try to do our very best. And we mistakenly think I'm good enough to get to heaven on my own. I don't need a savior. I'm good enough. The problem with that is this. God does not require goodness to get into heaven. He requires perfection because he's perfect. And so either you're going to have to be perfect, which none of us are, or you're going to have to trust in the perfection of someone else. And so that's why we need a savior because Jesus was that perfect one. He is ultimate life. He is ultimate truth. And then lastly, I would say this, Jesus, when he is saying, I'm the light of the world, he is saying, I am ultimate joy. Now, what is he, what is he alluding to with that? Well, I think the Bible kind of tells us that in the very presence of God is fullness of joy. Like, like when you're in his presence, because of the birth of a savior, Jesus, we have access to the presence of God. We have access to the glory of God. We have access to his very presence in our life. And his presence is, is life-giving. It's, it's creativity. It's power. It's freedom. It's, it's peace. It's laughter. It is, it is like security is what it is. And it's all because of Jesus and what he came to do for us. You see, Christianity is really not about what we do for God. It's about what God has done for us through the baby Jesus. You see, really the gospel and, and, and the whole storyline of scripture is, is really God meeting our sin with his salvation. It is God meeting our rebellion with his rescue. It is God meeting our guilt with his grace and he did it through Jesus. Now here is the kicker of all of that. Jesus, according to Hebrews, is our mediator. He's our go-between. We're here, God's up there, sin has separated us. We need a mediator. We need someone who will represent us to a holy God. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He is our mediator. Now, sometimes, sometimes I get asked a theological question every now and then. Um, as a preacher, you get some of those. And one of the questions that I'm asked is, you know, if God is real, if he's true, then why doesn't he just kind of roll the sky back and just show himself to us? 
Like, you ever wondered that? Like, why, to go to, why does he have to go to all this other trouble to show himself to us? Why doesn't he just reveal himself so we could see him, like physically, visibly see him, so that we can know that he's true? I mean, and the logic goes, we would all believe if we could just see him. Have you ever thought that? Now, here's the answer to it. It's real theological. If God did that, if he revealed himself to us, you know what would happen? We would die. Because you can't see the face of God and live. You know why? Because of the truth. And the truth is, we're sinners. God is holy. He is perfect goodness. He is perfect righteousness. He is perfect justice. If we saw him, we would be burned up. So you know what God did? He did something better. He gave his son and his son came as a baby. And you know what I know about babies? No one, no one is afraid of a baby. Not one person, not one. And so here you have God taking on flesh, coming as a baby to be one of us. What is he gonna do? He's gonna show us what God is like. And where does he do that? On the cross. He is showing us how much God the Father loves you and loves me. That's the mediator. And so God in his grace gives us the greatest gift that has ever been given. I don't care what you get tomorrow. I don't care what you get under the tree. That is the greatest gift you could ever receive. So that's the metaphor. That's the claim. What's the call? Well, the call is very simple. Jesus says it like this. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the call is very simple. Follow me. Follow me. Lean into my light and follow after it. Probably in a group like this, a group this size, or maybe those watching at home, there's probably at least two groups. Those who are Christians and those who are, well, haven't made that step yet. And let me just talk to the Christian group first. Let me ask you a question. Are you walking in the light? You're a Christian. Are you walking in the light? See, the truth is that some of you are doing some things in the dark that you shouldn't be doing. You're doing some things that your spouse doesn't know. You're doing some things that your friends don't know about. You're, you're doing some things. And, and I would just say this, that one day the light will come and it dispels the darkness. It illumines the darkness. And so my question is this, if those are the things you do, why are you doing those things? Because you're children of light. You're no longer children of darkness. You don't belong to the darkness. Move on. You guys following me? And, and so that's really the question. Are you walking in the light? Are you, are you, let me ask it another way. Are you living in such a way that other people see the way that you handle criticism? Or they see the way you handle difficult people? 
They see the way you handle adversity of 2020, and we've had a little bit of adversity. And they see the way you handle those things, and they just marvel, and they think, the faith that she has is amazing. Do you know what that is? That's walking in the light so that everybody can see. And then to the other group, you're here, maybe you're not a Christian. Here would be the question that I would, that I would ask, what's holding you back from receiving the light? What's holding you back? See, the truth is this, Christmas is for you. Jesus came for you. He came to seek and to save the lost, which is what we all are and were. And so Christmas really is for you. Jesus was born for you. And so this light can be yours if you're willing to believe and receive. It's just that simple. It's a gift. And what do you do with a gift? You just take it. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it, but you receive it. You see, to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's what we are because of Christmas. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we are just blown away by the light. By the, the light that brings to us eternal life. That brings to us truth. We, we live in a world that tries to pre pretend that truth doesn't exist. We, we live in a world that denies the truth but God, thank you that there's freedom in the truth. You are the way and the truth and the life. And I thank you that when we make that step of believing and receiving, that we have joy. We have true joy. And it's not dependent on whether or not we're in a pandemic or whether or not we have to quarantine or how we feel. It, it's just real. Your presence, your protection, your provision. You're with us. And so God, thank you for that. And so Lord, I just pray that for us who believe we've made that step of faith, that we would just walk in the light. We confess, we, we fall short and we need your grace. We need your help. But tonight we just recommit ourselves to you. We, we need you. And so, Lord, we thank you for your strengthening grace. And I know that there are those of us who've never made that step of faith. We've never drawn the line in the sand that says, I'm going to be a Christ follower. I'm walking in the light from this day forward. And I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. If that's where you are right now, there's nothing magical about my prayer. It's just prayer is just talking with God. That's all it is. It's just saying, Father, save me. And so would you just pray this prayer in the silence and the stillness of your heart right now. God is with you. He's here with you right now. 
He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He always hears your prayer. Just pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my rebellion. Forgive me for thinking that I could find life in something outside of you. And put your spirit in me. Put your light in me that I could walk in the truth. And so God, I want to walk in newness of life. Would you do that work in me right now? In Jesus' name. God, I just thank you for every person who's prayed this prayer. Lord, you know who they are. You know where they are. God, thank you that your word always does what it accomplishes, what it sets out to accomplish. Thank you for that. And I just ask that as we've been through a hard year, that Christmas for all of us would be filled with the joy of your presence because your light and your presence makes all the difference in the world. And so we thank you and praise you and all of God's people said, amen.